sisters for the kings Better than diamond rings That's why we're here to sing Football Sunday in the snow Referees whistle blows Weekend warriors toe to toe Football 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 Yes, people, what's happening? Welcome to another episode of North London 40. Woo! My name is James Hamlin. My name is Inye Benigo. Welcome all. Welcome to week five of the NFL, brought to you by Britain's fastest growing new NFL podcast, breaking down the NFL for you, the podcast digesting public, in the way we can only do it. Can't stop. Won't stop. Despite the plight of the recent podcast app, and I've been very lyrical about this, some of our pods aren't downloading. You're not the only one. Stick with it. I'm sure there'll be an update. You think uh, that Siri's got it in for us? Uh, just, don't, just don't get me started. That's, <laughs> what, that's why we'll clear up the housekeeping stuff. That's why we're on iTunes. That's why we're on Mixcloud. That's why we're on RSS. That's why we send out direct downloads for the Android slash Galaxy Massive as well. Check our pods. We drop Monday nights quite late before the Monday night game. You know that by now. Catch us on Twitter, NLDN40, northlondon40.tumblr.com, northlondon40 at gmail.com. All the channels. Hit us up. We're going to talk NFL, and hopefully we're going to keep talking about it the way you want to hear it talked about. Week five of the NFL has almost completed. It's been fun. Every week when the NFL on, it's fun. Week five started way back on Thursday night, as it always does. It seems so long ago now. Are soon to be arriving in London. St. Louis Rams, 17. Kevin Cobb and his Arizona Cardinals, who used to be one of the unbeaten members of the Bird Gang, three. They dropped a ton of whoop-ass on them. But it's great to see the Rams are in good form as they come to London and hopefully upset the New England Patriots, which happens in three weeks' time. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that young Jeezy hits the clubs. What do you mean? I'm, I'm hoping that Greg the Leg... <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, Zerline. Zerline, yeah. Um, yeah. I hope that they parade him around to every single football match and force him to kick. Yeah, absolutely should. Get well soon to Danny Amendola. Um, he, he fell out with an injury, an injured clavicle, and apparently it popped in when normally it pops out, and it was a couple of inches away from being a life-threatening injury. So um, get well to him, and hopefully we'll see him soon. Hopefully we will. He provided colour commentary on BBC last year, and so he's obviously likes coming to London, and I'm sure he's going to want to come back. If he can. So, yeah, good luck to him. Started off week five. The early games. Now, we're talking about this a lot. The early games have been fantastic every week. This week, and I don't know if it was because of El Clasico and the clash with El Clasico. I'm not really sure. But the early games this week were a bit meh. I think meh is the perfect description for it. It was... I described it like watching paint dry. 
Right. It was, it was tough. That's not myrrh in my book, but yeah, anyway. But, okay, I'm, I'm a little hyperbolic, as you can tell from this pod. I really felt that this week was an off week for the NFL, but that's going to happen with the NFL. It can't be amazing and majestic all the time. We did see some amazing plays, but when the most notable thing that happens on the NFL red zone, which I have crowned the Twitter of TV, yep, is that there are three fumbles within 15 seconds in three f- different games. You really are not seeing the best of the product. But still, as you'll see from the when we talk about the first game this week, the first um, game we're going to discuss about on Sunday, there was still excitement there and and quite possibly one of the best feel-good stories of, of the sports year. You're right, and look, please don't switch off and find another podcast to listen to. When we say the games are a bit meh, we're just saying, compared to recent weeks, mm. there's some great stuff, some great action, but we've been spoiled over the past couple of weeks. It was a bit of a, bit of a down week in terms of stuff, and as Inia said, that's going to happen, but we should talk about this game probably first. The Green Bay Packers, 27 the Indianapolis Colts, 30. They won one for the Gipper. Yeah. Chuck Pacano, their head coach, first-year head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, was this week diagnosed with leukemia. Awful story. If diagnosed quickly, 85 to 90% chance of full recovery. Yeah. So we... Give our shouts out to Chuck and really, really wish him well and wish well to his family during his recovery. And strange timing on this because those of you that have been watching NFL, you've seen that the support that the NFL has been giving to the treating of cancer by players wearing pink uniforms, pieces of pink around their hats, shoes, wristbands, all sorts of stuff. I'm mm. sure we'll throw some cool stuff up on the Tumblr. And when you see an organization supporting a charity, the way that they've done it, in terms of the awareness that they're raising, it's amazing. Really, really. really and it was done. very apt that this, and they do this for a couple of weeks during the season, and it was very apt that Chuck was diagnosed this week. The players themselves were wearing Chuck Strong T-shirts. and they really Players on both teams as well. Players on both teams. And they wanted to win this one for the Gipper. They wanted to win it for Chuck, win it for the governor. The interim head coach was in place at the last minute, Bruce Arians. He got the win, and the Colts were 18 points down to the Super Bowl champion of two years ago and, and a favorite in the NFC. 18 points down. Andrew Luck, 362 yards through the air, two TDs, 31 of 55, led the team down with 35 seconds to go for the three-point lead. He was amazing. It was an amazing result. Reggie Wayne. Now, in case you don't know who Reggie Wayne is, so coming out of the University of Miami, fantastic receiver, 11 years in the league, was one of Peyton Manning's favorite targets, just an outstanding American footballer. Mm -hmm. And the consensus was when... This year, the Indianapolis Colts in rebuilding periods, Peyton obviously went, Jeff Saturday, and we'll talk about him in a minute, that Reggie Wayne would go as well. Reggie Wayne has stayed in Indianapolis, and he's having his best season ever as an Indianapolis Colt, better than any of the Indianapolis years. 13 receptions, 212 yards, and a touchdown. This, 
I think we've seen some great performances in the NFL this season. A couple by Matt Ryan. I love the Jamal Charles performance, the two of them. I think so far, for me, this is the best performance I've seen in the NFL this season by one player. Outstanding. I think he really led the team, especially in this game. And the luck to Wayne combination is really paying dividends. I personally feel that there's another player that had quite an exceptional game, but we'll talk about him later. But with the Cedric Benson injury to the Green Bay Packers happening quite early on in the game, it did mean that the Packers did not have quite as strong as a running game as they had before. And in fact, Rodgers being their number one rusher in this game kind of Again. Made, them, made them a little bit reliant on the pass where you know you would rather have a running game in order to run out the clock. And Green Bay still had the opportunity to win. They had a 51-yard kick that shanked to the shank to the left. Is it, is it shank or what's the other word? Which one's to the left, which one's to the right? I don't know. I, I don't even know how. One's I, a hook and one's a slice. Uh, so yeah, that's it. I, I, I don't even play golf. He missed it by a mile. Yeah, it was, it was pitiful. It was Billy Cundiff-esque. And... Yeah, uh, an amazing victory for the Colts. They gave the game ball to um, Chuck Pagano, and they gave uh, a second game ball to their interim coach, who they have nicknamed B.A., which I thought was pretty good. And It good. was. Just to talk about, uh, go back to Reggie Wayne quickly. The footage is up there, and he's showing it up on the tumbler of the catch. So if you see this catch that Reggie Wayne did in, in the second quarter, you won't see a better catch all season. But that's just part of the story. He was going head-to-head with Charles Woodson, who was another outstanding future Hall of Fame player. They were going one-on-one. Green Bay knew where the ball was coming. It was coming to Reggie Wayne. Still, they couldn't stop it. The catches he was making, the routes he was running, the touchdown that he was able to squeeze to extend the ball over the goal line. It was just so inspirational to watch. And also at the end of the game, Jeff Saturday who moved to Green Bay when um, Indianapolis went through the rebuilding period. He was the last guy off the field at the end of the game. He wanted to say goodbye to the, it, to the Colts fans properly and was given a stand innovation by the crowd. So, so that was really nice. Fantastic game. Brilliant atmosphere. Great win for the Colts. How good are the Colts? I'm not sure anybody necessarily knows at they this period. They have as many victories this year as they did last year already. So um, good for them. Good for them, absolutely. But no, that was a that was a great win for the Colts. Moving on, in terms of other excitement that took place in the early games in Week Five, the battle of the two top quarterbacks in the NFL, Matty Ice. See, you're warming to that nickname, aren't you? <laughs> I'm warming to the ice. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying it all week. Matty Ice. Although um, Rich Eisen came up with a new one for him this week, and it was the Matural. Mm. <laughs> You've got to come up with your own nickname if you want. If you don't want to have to deal with these subpar ones. Matural Ice. That's that's what. <laughs> So I can't Ma- Matural Ice. Matural Ice. Right, Where can I we. buy that? Right. I, I like this. I like. I want that as a drink. Against RG3, two top QBs going head-to-head in D.C. Didn't quite turn out to be the shootout as we all thought it would be. I think it might have been 3 nothing at half-time. It was really, really dull. 
RG3 got rocked in the Ooh. head, concussed, went out of the game, start the third quarter, was replaced by an extremely ineffectual Kirk Cousins. And Hold on, hold on. In the grand scheme of things, I would say that he was ineffectual, but still to be five of nine and also to have thrown that TD pass, it's not like he was completely useless. I didn't say that. I said ineffectual. This is me with the hyperbole again. Maybe I'm not being on the level. I had RG3 in one of my fantasy teams, and and, and, and that and that sucked. But he did throw a 77-yard touchdown pass to Santana Moss. I agree. It was his first game as a rookie, Kirk Cousins. Okay, let's rewind time. He's got his first touchdown pass. But all I'm saying, he wasn't able to rally the skins against the Falcons. That's fair enough. Against the Falcons. So Matt Ryan, after a slow start, turned into Matt Ryan. Julio Jones scored a fantastic touchdown. So did Tony Gonzalez. The Falcons are 5-0 and and alongside the Houston Texans, probably recognized as the best team in football. But RG3 got rocked, as we said. Got up. I don't think he can remember the score of the game and where he was. It was, yeah. It, oh. it, it's what the Redskins have described as a mild concussion. But if I got hit and I could not remember the quarter or the score I think that's much more than a mild concussion the NFL this year are trying very hard to to make sure that the game is safe and they're paying particular attention to concussions so we'll see how quickly the Redskins can get RG3 back but I think they they should take his time unfortunately they're stuck in a catch-22 situation with him their offensive linemen aren't strong enough or aren't good enough to protect him, so he can't necessarily develop as a pocket passer. And what RG3 Ticks excels at is being a quarterback that can scramble out of the pocket. He's Michael Vick-esque in that sense, except he doesn't fumble the ball. Talking of concussions, another quarterback getting concussed, and... You know, with some pretty frustrating after effects, really. Not only just for him, but in, in, in terms of the bigger picture. Kansas City Chiefs, six. Baltimore Ravens, nine. Not exactly a shootout, but Matt Castle, who's been having a tough season. Pro Bowl quarterback from a couple of years ago, Matt Castle. But he's had the boo birds on his back in Kansas City. Took a shot in the head, went off with a concussion. His concussion was cheered by the home fans. That ain't cool with us, right? <laughs> Not at all. It, you would never wish that on anyone. To to be laid out on the floor and then hearing your fans cheer is 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 as bad as it can get. Look, it is. And also the fact that you're cheering for the entrance of Brady Quinn. Right, just to add that to the mix, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, as, as Neil Reynolds poetically put on, on Sunday night, if, if Brady Quinn is the solution, please tell me what the problem is. And, and I think he's absolutely right there. But, you know, that was unfortunate. One of the Chiefs players came out this week and he defended Matt Castle in the situation, Eric Winston, who is a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And he, he was pretty lyrical this week and he spoke about how sickening it was and and basically, and this is a quote from him, hey, if he's not the best quarterback, he's not the best quarterback, but that's okay. But he's a person. And, you know, th that's very true. But, 
will take their sports very seriously and, and you know hopefully Matt Castle is on the on the road to recovery and you know maybe Kansas City fans have got their wish and they're starting Brady Quinn next week so your boy Jamal Charles had another great game he's turning into one of my favorite players I got asked a question by my girlfriend last night and it was quite interesting when I'm worried where this is going <laughs> you tool. <laughs> She said, we were talking about something American sports related, yes. and she asked me if I followed a, a basketball team and a baseball team. Mm. And I said that I didn't because I like to watch the players. Yes. I don't want to go through the heartache of following a team in mm-hmm. Santa, like the players, and like to watch what they do. Yeah. And NBA, I love watching LeBron, and I love watching Colby as much as I like watching KD, and all those guys. And, and, she, and she's like, oh, in the NFL... What players do you like watching? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? That's a great question because it's more of a team game. Yeah. But then I thought about it, and it was like there are certain players that you love to watch, and I think you're right. Jamal Charles is one of them. He's such a fantastic talent. And to watch him, is he's on such a rubbish team. But again, he had a, such a great game. He's the sort of player that, you wish you had him as a fantasy owner. He's just a joy to have. 30 carries, 140 yards on the deck for Jamal Charles. He's just exciting. Yep. Love seeing what he does. The the Chiefs had a really, really good day on the ground running against the much-valued Baltimore defense. And everyone this weekend heading into this round of games on Twitter was saying, make sure you start the Baltimore Ravens defense. It's going to, you know, they're going to... Eat it up against um, Cassell, and ultimately they didn't. They didn't put in a great performance. But they did only give up six enough. points, though. True. But th- in terms of moving away from fantasy into the actual game itself. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this year has been interesting for me because this is the first year that I've been playing fantasy, and it's hard to sort to look at games as games in terms of teams playing and winning and how they're winning, and then also look at the statistical sense of fantasy and trying to keep those two things separate. It's a game within a game. It's inception. It is, but, you know, unfortunately every play that you have has fantasy implications, and that's just the way that it works. And, you know, some people are happy and some people aren't. And somebody that was happy this week, a boy, Joe Philbin at the Dolphins. Dolphins have got another win. Miami Dolphins, 17. Cincinnati Bengals, 13. They went into the Bengals' home ground, got the W. No one saw that coming. Good on the Dolphins. I have to send an apology to Ryan Tannehill. Earlier on in this pod, I said that he wasn't ready, and this was based purely on watching Hard Knocks. (laughs) It's the best way of of forming analysis, of course. You saw him assemble that flat pack furniture, and you're like, he's all fingers and thumbs. Yeah, (laughs) It's the problem with getting an insight into athletes' lives. And I think so far, week five into the season, we're looking at a decent, competent quarterback for the Dolphins, which is something that they've desperately needed. We really are, and... You know, you know the the crazy thing about the Dolphins. So you look at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are two and three. They lost two games in overtime that they probably shouldn't have lost. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins could be four one right now. They got smacked up by the Texans week one. Yeah, fair enough. Ryan Tannehill's first game as a starter away at the Texans. 
They lost to the Jets in OT in a game they shouldn't have lost. They lost to Arizona in week four. Dolphins fans, and there's tons of you out there. Who would have watched Hard Knocks and thought, right, this team's got a shot. The supporting cast around Ryan Tannehill, I mean, he went 17-26. No TDs, but 223 yards. Didn't make any mistakes. Got some support from the defense as well. Especially the Miami run defense, which is one of the best in the league. It is. and They shut these guys down. So where the Dolphins go, I don't know. But they could be 4-1 right now. And, you know, are we talking about them as a wild card contender? Could be. Do you think that maybe the whole Hard Knocks thing was an elaborate ploy? That this is... We've, we had this thing earlier on talk about the hard knots curse about whether teams exposing themselves too early on in the season meant that they didn't by exposing themselves by opening themselves up to the HBO cameras meant that during the season they wouldn't do as well because we'd seen the Jets recently um, the Bengals a bunch of other teams that hadn't done as well after having the hard knot cameras in there but maybe maybe the Dolphins had the right thing make sure that all all their players looked absolutely horrible. Have Chad Ochocinco to really distract the cameras and then quietly build a wild card team. Well, maybe. I don't know. It, we keep talking about quarterbacks. It starts and it ends with quarterbacks. Yeah. And we looked at Tannehill and we thought, right, he's in the worst three quarterbacks in the NFL. He's getting it done. And you could say he arguably has one of the three weakest receiving cores in the NFL. Running game that's holding its own. Hopefully Reggie Bush back to fitness, back to full fitness hopefully, which is good for fantasy owners and and general fans of of Reggie Bushdom. Kim Kardashian. Yeah, of which we are some. But yeah, it's, again people, the unpredictable nature of the NFL. This is the way it all plays out. Those were the best of the early games. On to the late games. So we had five late games this week. Things change. Um, sorry. We had five late games this week. 49ers got back on track. They're now 4-1. and one. They are over their blip. Of course, the Minnesota Vikings absolutely marmalized the Buffalo Bills. 45-3. to three. This was a massacre. It was so painful that we're going to move on. Fine. Let, let's move on. But the stat was another 49ers record and another 49ers offensive record, which if you imagine, based on the 49ers of yesteryear, mm-hmm. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Steve Young, Roger Craig, all those guys, and, and I'm sure there's lots of you 49ers on there, any offensive record that gets beaten now for a franchise, yeah, take it seriously. Yeah, definitely. Because you're following on. This isn't like an expansion team breaking an offensive record. This is real talk. The 49ers this week get the future award, which means that they went over 300 in passing at rushing at the no, same damn time. No, wasn't it? Wasn't it? They had a 300-yard passer, a 100-yard rusher, and 200-yard receivers. Alex Smith, 18-24, 303 yards, three TDs. Michael Crabtree, 113 yards in the air and a touchdown. Vernon Davis, 106 yards in the air. Frank Gore, 14 carries, 106 yards and a touchdown on the deck. They were dominant. Let's move on. 
Another four-on-one team. Another surprise team. We talk about the Dolphins as being a wild-card contender. Nobody saw these guys coming out of the NFC North. Lamborghini Percy. Glenn Ponder. Minnesota Vikings. Four-and-one. Outstanding. This was a rebuilding year, everyone said. We were all wrong. They're ahead of the curve and continue to be a great team. They do. We talk about players we love and, again, Lamborghini Percy, Harvin himself, was outstanding again. Caught eight passes for 108 yards. I think he ran for a touchdown as well, didn't he? He did. Yeah, I I was surprised to see that stat and some footage of him in the clips of him actually receiving the ball in the backfield and running with it. But he's becoming a threat on, you know, put him anywhere. Number one wide receiver in Yahoo Fantasy Football, statistically. Christian Glenn Ponder, 25 of 35, two touchdowns, 258 yards, two picks. He's getting it done. The Vikes are four and one. The Titans, how awful are the Titans? Without Jake Locker, I guess we'll, well, I guess we'll find out, but they only put up seven points. And yeah, the Vikes are, uh, the Vikes are two games up on Green Bay. Who'd have thunk that ish? I don't know. Talking to teams in the NFC North that are four and one. My Chicago Bears. Notice I didn't call them my Chicago Bears after they uh, <laughs> after they got crushed. I realise what you're doing. You're just keeping by it the quiet Green Bay that that, uh, that your fandom of the Bears. But yeah, no. So look, when we did our preview pod, I did fancy the Bears. The Bears are a playoff team for sure. Forty-one to the Bears, three to the soon-to-be London-based Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't get too disheartened, London-based fans. One of your own is coming to participate in the upcoming England San Marino friendly, I hear. Yeah, this week is the, the Jags bye week. So the owner, Mr. Khan, has come, is coming over to London this week and is going on the promo tour. And the Jags kicker, who is? Josh Gobi. Josh Gobi. Very nice American name right there. I can remember once I watched the game, Josh Gobi. Josh Scobie, who's white, he's a kicker. A white guy called Scobie? I thought you were going to say a white kicker. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> was, ki- was kicking off to um, a black guy who was receiving the kick, mm-hmm. also called Josh Scobie. Ooh, <laughs> Scobie to Scobie. Really bad 80s group right there. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, I just thought it was weird. But anyway, sorry, Josh Scobie, yeah. Yeah, so Josh Scobie is going to be putting on a kicking exhibition during the halftime of the England-San Marino game at Wembley, oh, which God. I need, we, we need to, we, I don't think there are, there aren't a lot of UK pods discussing American football. And that's because the sport is not as big as it should be in this country. That's why we're here, son. And I appreciate Mr. Khan and the Jags' approach and trying to spread the game. And this is proactive. This is a year before the Jags come. They could have taken a year off and not done any of this stuff in order to promote the game, but he's going for it. He wants the NFL to be as big abroad as as the EPL, as he calls it, is across the world. 
putting on that's a That's what we want to. Yeah, that's exactly what we want. We want to help you, Mr. Khan. But putting on a, a kicking exhibition at the halftime of the England game is not going to be the one. Because you need to be celebrating the differences between the sports. You need to be celebrating what makes American football unique. I don't know. What, what's the capacity of Wembley? 60,000? 80. 80,000. We're going to be lucky. It's San Marino. It's going to be lucky if it sells out. Yeah, half yeah. full. Half full. On a Friday night, you're going to uh. put this poor kicker up there to kick over the goal from halfway. No one cares. In, in football, you miss if you kick it over the bars. Why would you, anyone care? I just, I just don't know why anybody from a marketing perspective is going to want to associate their brand with the England football team right now. Yeah. But is this really the time? Cheerleaders should yeah. have been cheerleaders. They obviously we know they should have signed Tebow. We've yeah. covered that. <laughs> Tebow, yeah. cheerleaders. That's it, Mr. Khan. Just doing laps. We've got just doing <laughs> laps. Tim, Tebow and cheerleaders <laughs> yeah. doing laps at half time. It's brilliant, Mr. Khan. If you do hear this, we do want that you to become part of the London landscape. And you were also talking about having two games, two regular season games in London. Hold your horses. Have one regular season game and have one preseason game here, and then do things that James is saying. He's James is you know joking around about getting the cheerleaders running around. I'm not. We need cheerleaders going around London. We need play. We need people in a, in like Jaguars uniforms with pads going around London, going past the sites and building up buzz in that manner. We do not need you going to the England football game with people that are there to watch football, not to watch American football. To see a kicker. This score flattered the Bears. <laughs> and improve your team. <laughs> this score flattered the Bears. And they stuck 28 points on the board in the fourth quarter. Jacksonville, I mean, let's just move on from them. They could be the worst team in the league. They could be. They could have the league's worst quarterback in, in Blaine Gabbert. That could actually be the case. Interesting enough with the Bears, that's two consecutive weeks... Mm-hmm. The same two players have returned interceptions for touchdowns. You're our stat guy. Has that ever happened before? Never happened in the NFL before. First time ever. Congratulations to the Bears. Consistently known for having an amazing piranha-like defense. Charles Tillman and Lance Briggs were the two people that did that. And yeah, amazing. Chicago D is playing great. It's five interceptions for touchdowns in the past three weeks. People in Chicago, I think they're getting excited right now. Matt Forte, shaking off the Mr. Glass tag. Doesn't want to be the Darren Anderson of the NFL. Doesn't want to be the (laughs) Darren Anderson of anything. He was back with 100 yards, 22 carries, 100 yards on the deck for him. Brandon Marshall continues to be legit, 12 catches, 144 yards. That double move on that touchdown. It was sweet. Amazing. It was sweet. Bears are a playoff team. They're 4-1. and They're looking good. Jay Cutler was even smiling at the end, and and Jacksonville, as we say, they're one and four, potentially one of the worst teams in the league. Talk about the last late game, El Clasico of the NFL, when it comes to individual players. I didn't watch El Clasico. I was busy watching the NFL, but I read it was a two-all draw with two goals by Lionel Messi and two goals by Cristiano Ronaldo, two of the best players in the world, the two best players in the world. This is a battle between the two 
best quarterbacks of the last 15 years. Yep. They've had many an epic battle. Two grisly veterans of the game. It was fitting that this game was on CBS. It was. You couldn't really get more CBS than this. Tom Brady and his New England Patriots, 31. Peyton Manning and his Denver Broncos, 21. Wasn't really that close. There was a split second where you thought Peyton Manning was going to go fourth quarter comeback. And then it just didn't happen. But it's interesting the way that the Patriots actually managed to beat the Pats in this game. Sorry, the Patriots managed to beat the Broncos in this game. And it was through Brady going no huddle. It was a balanced attack. It was almost 50-50 in terms of running and passing. But they really tired out the Broncos defenders and made sure that they didn't have the opportunity to sub out defensive backs. And, and really, it was it was just a comprehensive victory overall. It was. And if you look at the battles between the two, that was the 13th meeting. Brady's now 9-4 and four over Peyton. He's got his number. I get what you're saying, but I just didn't get the feeling through watching the game that Peyton was about to go ham. I just didn't feel that. But what about the, the touchdown driver? What, it took 57 seconds to get... Uh, he drove down the field in 57 seconds, just all passing. It was nice. He just always seemed to be behind. There was a gap and looked semi-interesting towards the end, but Brady continues to have his number. How good are the Broncos? Again, we don't necessarily know. That was only the second home game for the Pats this season. They won it. The Pats will be fine. They've had a couple of losses. But they're now three and two in their home games. Denver, two and three. Again, I don't think we really know how good they are, which we'll see in weeks to come. The late game was a record breaker. Drew Brees broke Johnny Unitas's records for consecutive games with a touchdown pass. Again, if you talk about one of the GODs of this sport, Johnny Unitas, one of the sport's greatest ever players. Greatest ever quarterbacks. Again, you break a record that that guy holds. It's a record worth talking about. Andrew Brees did that last night. The Saints got the monkey off their back. They are now one and four. <laughs> so they're trying to get back how, on track. How, 31 to the New Orleans Saints. 24 to the San Diego Chargers. How would you anglicize this, um, the, the new Drew Brees record? So... We should probably tell people what it is first. Yeah, that would but be like, idea. So he's eclipsed the mark which was set between 1956 and 1960 of Johnny Unitas of scoring a touchdown pass in 47 consecutive games. Yeah. So that means that he's never been in a game when his team's been shut out. Mm-hmm. And he's, all, <laughs> he's always thrown a touchdown pass. I think for me, it's about consistency. Yeah. But it's not just consistency like we saw Brad Friedel this week. They played in 370 consecutive Premier League games and he got put in the bench for Spurs and and wasn't too happy about that. But that was more about consistency. This is about consistency and also playing at a high level. Mm -hmm. To put it into a context... See, you have to look at something like Andrew, like Pirlo, 
who would be someone that's been playing for a long time that would have the potential to change a game? It's very difficult. I think this is... It's, it is difficult. I would say... I would say to draw a parallel around it in traditional English sports because it's not like a goal scorer scoring in 47 consecutive games. Yeah. And that's just another level. Mm. I would say it's probably synonymous with a... Cricket? I was going to say that. An international bowler mm-hmm. taking a wicket in 47 consecutive innings. Yeah. It just goes to show that... They're always producing. Mm-hmm. They're always a threat. And Drew Brees is such a fantastic player in terms of what he does, not only what he does for that community, what he does on the field. 29 of 45, 370 yards, 40 days and an interception. Nothing's, no one's been hurt more during this dreadful period of losses for the Saints than Drew Brees. So it was great to see him get a win and chalk up another record. Brilliant. It was interesting to see ESPN talk about this record and saying that it's one of the top two records a quarterback can have. And also they're trying to compare it to the Cal Ripken, Cal Ripken Jr. streak of consecutive baseball games. Yeah. Although we all know that he was helped a little bit along by the city cutting out the power during one of those games. So congrats to Drew Brees. Congrats to the Saints. They're now 1-4, and four, as you said. And also, the only other team to ever make the playoffs after going 0-4 were the 1992 Chargers, who they played against in this game. Not the actual 92 Chargers, but <laughs> the 2012 Chargers. <laughs> so it will be, yeah, maybe maybe they've got a little bit of mojo to uh, get back in the, the playoff hunt. That was week five. Again, a little meh, but I think we've brought you the, the highlights of it. We go on to week six. Maybe it was met in the sense that the... It's such a high bar, my friend. Yeah, it's It's such a high bar. It's been incredibly high. We've had the first three weeks, you also had the replacement refs. Now this week, we've had Drew Brees breaking the records. You've had the San Francisco 49ers breaking records. It's, It's still been a monumental week in the NFL, but I think that we haven't had the overtime victories. We had a, a close game with the, the Pittsburgh Eagles game but that wasn't really anything of note apart from Michael Vick keeps on fumbling the ball. Yeah, he does. Looking at week six. Week six in the NFL. The early game. Thursday. Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Should we just skip past that? Um, before we talk about week six, can I yeah. add this in? Yep. So tonight, while we're doing this portal, just before there's the Monday night game, which is uh, Houston at the Jets. And this week, this weekend over Twitter, there was a big story about how there were 12,000 unsold tickets left for the Monday night game, which is almost unheard of because Monday really? night games are, are just, you know, they're always going to sell out national audience. Although the Jets did come out and dispel that. And at the time of recording this pod, there are only 3,000 or so left. So 10,000 were snapped up or either given away to all the Tebow fans. But I don't see. understand how they weren't sold in the preseason. True. Oh, that's shocking. How, and the Texans did come into the season as one of the favorites as well. It's not like it was poor opposition. But this is Monday Night Football in New York. True. This is big. Mm-hmm. Wow. Shocked by that. Week six... 
What do we like the look of? Seven early games starting at 6pm Sunday night. Pick of the games. Cowboys at the Ravens. Cowboys coming off their bye week, so hopefully they will be rested. Going up against the Ravens, who only put up nine points. And traditionally a good game. We'll see. Yeah, I like... I like the Rams at the Dolphins matchup mm-hmm. because I think, again, as you said earlier, the two teams that we don't necessarily know how good they are. Yeah. I think the Dolphins are probably going three to four point favorites on that. Rams are three and two. Dolphins are two and three. Two teams that they're pretty evenly matched. I think it could be quite an exciting contest. Not tons and tons of stars on the offensive side of the ball. Could be a nice matchup and probably a game. That's, that's worth checking out, especially if you want to get boned up on your Rams knowledge and Rams trivia before they, before they come to London. Lions at the Philadelphia Eagles. Always exciting. Michael Vick, Matt Stafford, Deshaun Jackson, Megatron. Lots of offensive weapons. Lots of turnovers in that game as well. Should be a lot of points. Moving on to the pick of the late games. One stands out. This is one for the calendar, and we highlighted it in the preseason. We highlighted it with two different colours. That's how important it is. We did. Eli Manning and his New York Giants going back to the scene where they won the NFC Championship game. The San Francisco 49ers. That's going to be a great matchup. I can't wait for that. That is a game that I will actually set up and watch. I will, I will move away from the red zone. The, the, <laughs> the, the God's greatest gift to, uh, to his children on earth, the red zone, and actually watch that game straight. I cannot wait for that. Including what, who I think is the NFL's pro, NFL's most recognizable wide receiver right now, Victor Cruz. Why is that? He's got all the elements. He's got a cheeky smile. Cheeky smile. Yep. Crafty. Uh, grin, although that's ex- effectively the same thing. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. He's got a Super Bowl victory. Yep. So no matter whatever amount of trash he would talk or does or whatever, he's backed it up with a Super Bowl ring. He's a winner. He's got a signature dance. Yep. He shouted out Rock Nation after scoring a touchdown this week as well. It's the most famous NFL dance since he would... needs a name for that dance. What, for the salsa dance? Yeah. He just calls it the salsa, doesn't he? Okay. Talking of dances, not much Gangnam Style this week. No, they've taken a back seat. Just before the NFL started this week, it was the final and the conclusion of the absolutely brilliant 2020 World Cup final. Did you see the West Indies after they won it? I did not see that. You had 11 players plus weed carriers plus... (laughs) Coaches. There's nothing quite like cricket weed carriers. Plus coaches, all doing Gangnam Style. <laughs> and they're actually playing Gangnam Style oh. in the stadium when they won it. It's absolutely fantastic footage. Mm. Go out there and check it out. It was brilliant. They're over-indexed on Gangnam Style. And they were just so happy. And just to touch on cricket quickly, massive love of mine. The fact that the West Indies are... Number one in the world in one discipline of cricket, mm-hmm. for me, is a wonderful thing. 
Because of the example I just illustrated, they bring personality, they bring flair, they bring individuality, they bring a sense of fun and also seriousness and hard work to the craft. Mm-hmm. It was great footage. But I didn't see any Gangnam Style in the NFL this week. There was actually okay. some Gangnam Style in the NFL, but it was the NFL on Fox hosts who were dancing to Gangnam Style. And if you go to our Tumblr, which is northlondon40.tumblr.com, you can actually see that up on there. But no players. Right, just ex, no, just ex players, just just ex players who really and and Michael Strahan in the blonde wig. But yeah. the less said about that, the better. That's week six. We can't wait for it. It's going to be fantastic, as every week is in the NFL. In terms of other NFL related stuff, this week, a couple of amazing documentaries were released this week. One that was very heralded, one that was not so heralded. And the one that was not so heralded, we're actually planning on getting our guy, Joe Cohen, our Cleveland guy, to come in and talk about it. He can't actually make it. He's uh, gone to a Radiohead concert. So we're going to get him on next week to talk about it. And we're slightly running out of time anyway. But there was a documentary called Cleveland 95, which was fantastic. Go watch it this week. Because we're going to break th- break it down and put spoilers over it all next week. And we're going to talk to somebody that was actually there at the time. A Cleveland fan grew up in the city to give us some perspective. So we won't go into that too much. But it was connected to another documentary that was out this week. The relaunch of the 30 for 30 series from ESPN. That documentary was called Broke. Anyway, what do we think of it? Meh. Yeah, it's sweeping the NFL this week. It was good. It was a great topic. Uh, For some reason, I don't know whether it's schadenfreude, I don't know whether it's just we're we're evil people in general, but we we enjoy these stories of athletes going broke because to our minds, we can can never figure out why it happened. We we hear the signing bonuses, we hear someone signing for 20 million, 25. How can you blow through that money so quickly? And what the documentary did was show extremely well how that can happen. It did. Except it just went on and on and on. And it's not one of those great stories of redemption. There there were elements of redemption. In fact, there are quite a few players who actually went back to college, got their degrees, and started to make a difference. But for the most part, it, it was weird to have a richest rag story and then not particularly hear of great examples of people getting out of that again. And this sounds very weird. As a black man, it was nice. To, <laughs> it was nice to see that there were lots of different races that blew through the money, and it wasn't stereotypical. <laughs> just like, oh, I did a, <laughs> I did a record label, or like, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like a, uh, an Eddie Murphy <laughs> sketch or a Dave Chappelle sketch. There was stupidity across the races. Yes, <laughs> extreme stupidity. Oh, one of the reasons that we wanted to tie in. Tying the Browns, and again, we will talk about this next week. It was also queued up perfectly for the Browns because we didn't really go about it in detail, but there was another huge banana skin by the Cleveland Browns, which was apt, but we predict there'll probably be one next week. Yeah. So, so it's fine, so we'll talk about that, that one then. But two of the key characters in Broke had collections to the Cleveland Browns. Andre Risen was, in a sense, probably the lead character in the documentary. Yes, and he speaks about all the mistakes he's made, when Left Eye burnt down his house, yeah. and all the screw-ups that he's made and, and, and bad decisions. But I think, for me, the most poignant 
person that appeared on the documentary and if you listen to the Bill Simmons podcast that, that brings on Billy Corgan who directed the documentary it talks about how Bernie Kozar was on there, Bernie Kozar, long time quarterback of the Cleveland Browns and he's on there and, and he says that for me when I was growing up as a kid I went and got my dad a beer from the fridge because if I didn't I would get the belt and that that's how I was brought up and when I got my money as a professional athlete it made a lot of sense for me to give a lot of that to my dad because that was the type of relationship that we had. But then he says it was only then later on in life I realized that of the $5 million I received for my initial contract, my dad, who I'd given control of my business affairs, had kept a million dollars for himself. And, you know, that was just sad. Mm-hmm. You know, And there was lots of stories about that, about these athletes and... They were just, they were all doing nothing malicious. Yeah. They were trying to do the right thing. They are all sorting out their entourage, sorting out their hangar, Hannah's honours, buying the mama house. The first thing, yeah, the first thing that almost all of them did was buy their parents a house, buy their parents a car. It was, it was always that initial dream of getting whatever, the people that had supported them initially, getting them out of whatever situation they were in. But I think it talks about... You become a CEO of a $25 million business, Mm -hmm. age 22, with no CEO experience. And that kind of summed it up. I'd say it is worth watching. It's just a little bit too long, Mm. a little bit too much talking head per action, but it is. Anything ESPN and 30 for 30 do is. Billy Corgan, on the subject of him, produced two absolutely fundamental documentaries that you have to watch. One is called The You about the history of football at the University of Miami through the mid to late 80s and mid 90s. It's one of the best sports documentaries I've ever seen. Really worth checking that out. He also directed a documentary called Cocaine Cowboys. Yeah, a hood classic. You've not seen it? No, it's a hood classic. Sorry. That's what I'm saying. It is a hood classic. It's absolutely brilliant in the way that it outlines the story of the cocaine scene in Miami in the early 80s and follows that through to its extremely messy and violent conclusion. So a talented dude for sure. ESPN 30 for 30 goes on this week. Yes. It's on again a documentary called 9.79, which is about Ben Johnson's 100 metres world record in Seoul. All the runners and riders that took part in that and the backstory. So that's going to go on for the next few weeks. So definitely recommended. We love documentaries on the podcast. We absolutely love them. It's a perfect fusion of entertainment and sports. Mm-hmm. We're sports weepers. We told you that. Um, a footballing life. We're saying, go check out some of these documentaries because these are stories that are fantastic. And NFL films, you know, pour a little bit out. You know, they produce these things with a with a style that's, that's hard to replicate. So, really recommended. We done? Yeah. I think we're out. Hey. We'll see you in week, week six. The NFL International Series gets closer and closer upon us. NFL comes to London in just a couple of weeks, and we couldn't be more excited about it. Thanks for listening. We will see you on Tumblr. We will see you on Twitter. We will see you on Mixcloud, iTunes, all of the channels. We have been North London 40. Thank you very much. Take care.